Who's the boss? Hi, I'm Anita Joyce with Kelly Wilkness, and this is Decorating Tips and Tricks. Episode 354, You Can Do It, Be Your Own General Contractor. And the show notes for today's episode can be found at Decorating Tips and Tricks slash 354. I'm going to say, you can do it! You can! Today's episode resonates with me so strongly. I'm kind of like jumping up and down. I can hardly sit in my seat because I want to shout from the rooftops that everyone can be their own general contractor. All you need is some knowledge, some patience, do some investigating, and just have the confidence. So I hope we're going to give you all of that today. And if you're in a position to start a small project or even a large project like crazy I did (laughs) and be your own general contractor, I know you can do it. Anita knows you can do it too. Yes, I've definitely done it on smaller projects. But when I had my house built... When I had uh, something big done, yeah, you bet I did hire somebody. But, you know, that was kind of based on, I think it's a personal decision. And it's really kind of based on not just whether or not you feel comfortable doing it, but how much time you have. And, you know, in certain cases, I felt like this is just something I don't have the time to put into because it is very time consuming. So that's something that, you know, we're going to talk about is what it takes to do this. And time is, is something that will be required. For sure. No doubt about it. So when you're contemplating whether or not you need to hire a general contractor for any size project, whether it's a small bathroom remodel or if it's uh, tackling a 150-year-old house remodel, you if you take on the job, you are the team captain, you're the director, you are going to be in control of the construction project. And why would someone want to do that? Well, one of the biggest reasons is that you're going to save money. Uh, you're going to get exactly what you want, or at least you'll be in on the decision-making process if your choices have to be made. You'll have direct relationships with the subcontractors that are working on your project, and you'll have some control over negotiating prices. Um, and it's very empowering, I must say, you know, to be able to do this. And you get a lot of satisfaction at the end of the day if you were running the show. I if, What I've read is that you can save up to 30%, but it really yes. is going to vary a lot on what's going on and, you know, how you, good you are at negotiating, pricing, and, and that sort of thing. And the exactly. other thing I, I like about being your own is when you go through a contractor, if you ha- hire somebody and they have poor communication skills – then there's likely going to be some issue. Uh, now, some of them are very good at communicating with subs, but you do have to, but if you're your own contractor, then you're in control of that communication with the subs. That's good news and bad news. If things do not go well and your sub flips out on you or does shoddy work and refuses to fix it, then you're the one holding the bag. Whereas if you hired somebody, that's their responsibility. That's the downside. But the upside is I think you're going to maybe be able to communicate your vision better to the subs. They're the ones actually doing the work. And I want to say this if you're going to uh, attempt this, or even if you are working with a general contractor, communication is so important to communicate what it is that you want. So 
pictures of what you want. Drawings are very key. In fact, one time I was working with a painter and I took a black and white picture of our house and I took a pencil, a colored pencil and colored in like the color that I wanted the shutters. Because I did this because there were a few things that traditionally would have been one color, but I wanted a different color. And so I colored it all in. I said, this is exactly how I want the house painted. And he looked at me and said, only, he said, only an idiot could get this wrong. And I said, well, this is called pokey yoke, which is not, you know, they used to call it idiot proving, which is rude and mean uh, saying. So we don't say that anymore. We call it So we just say that in a foreign language. <laughs> <laughs> no, it means a pokey oak is Japanese for mistake proofing. And that is what you're doing. You're not treating your contractors like they're dumb. You are trying to, when you're communicating with them, you want to try to anticipate what kind of communication problems could happen, what kind of mistakes could happen, and you're going to try to put something in place to keep that from happening. So a drawing... Uh, pictures, just as much information as you can give them. It's just going to make everyone happier. And I did tell my painter, I said, if you paint it incorrectly, you're going to be unhappy and I'm going to be unhappy. I said, if this fixes that, it keeps it from happening, then then you know what? It's win-win. Absolutely. So we went over some of the reasons why, and Anita initially uh, mentioned some reasons maybe why not. Here are a few other maybe Reasons why maybe being your own general contractor would not be for you or would not be for you in a particular job, uh, you know, project or time in your life. If you're too busy, you know, if you just had twins, you know, don't do it. Um, if it really scares you to have to deal with subcontractors, which, you know, we keep saying the word sub, so it's a subcontractor, tile guy, painters, um, flooring guys, all these people that would be actually doing the trades work. If you're new to the area. Now, this happened to me when we moved to California. We moved into a house. I really didn't think we were going to stay that long. And I I started a project and thought, oh, we're just going to paint the cabinets and I'm going to move back to New York in six months. Well, we ended up really starting to like the area and the project got bigger, but I didn't know any subcontractors. I had a whole list of guys that I worked with in New York, but I'm in California, 3,000 miles away. I didn't even really have any friends to ask. So at that juncture, I did hire a contractor. Well, the funny story with that is he quit on me because he told me I was too involved in my project. (laughs) (laughs) What? Now, I I just cannot believe this, Kelly. (laughs) I know. Well, I mean, obviously it was true if you know me, but you probably should never hire a GC. (laughs) It's my own house. How could you possibly say I'm too involved, right? Like, Well, but here's the thing I want to say about what you just said, that if you're not from the area you might not know how to find the best subs. But, you know, things have changed in this day and age. It is so easy to find good subs. Not right. like in that the old day. That was 15 years ago. There was the, no in, Angie's List or anything. Right. I mean, when you had to look in the yellow pages, now it's online. You go on the next door app. You go on right. Facebook. You talk right. to your realtor. So many places where you can get some names of some really good people. So it's... That is really not an issue for most people. And honestly, I love working with the subs because I, 
you know, secretly, I actually wanted to be an architect. So oh, I so love, well, plus, you know, with my engineering background, I yes. love, I loved construction projects right. and I was all over when our house was being built. I was here all the time, just absorbing as much, just learning as much as I could about the whole process. And I asked a ton of questions just because I wanted to know. So if you're someone like that, who's naturally curious and loves the process, I think you would really like it. I think so too. And the other things that you either should be good at or want to be good at, and you'll work towards being good at if you're going to take on the position of your own general contractor is problem solving, which is really what an engineer is. So this Mm -hmm. is perfectly suited for you, Anita. So problem solving, being an excellent communicator, as you've mentioned, uh, being great at scheduling. You know, you don't want everybody coming at the same time and tripping over each other and then they can't get their work done, you know, getting permits. So being willing to go to you know, to town hall and know what you need, um, being willing to maybe go pick up the supplies because time is money. If you're willing to jump in your car and drive to Home Depot, then your guys can start working and you're not paying them to go up and down the aisles. All these things are things that you either, you know, if you've never done before, you just have an openness and a willingness to learn how to do or just recognize that this is all going to be part and parcel of the job. Well, and just uh, keep in mind too, you may need to carry some sort of insurance as a general yes, contractor. For so sure. be sure mm-hmm. and check in your area. But another thing that happened when our house uh, was being built, it's very close to downtown Houston. And so, you know, there's some crime in the area and all our plumbing supplies, somebody walked in our front door during construction and walked oh, out with all gosh. of my faucets. And so, because I had a general contractor, you know, it was, we were constructing a house. I wouldn't have taken on something that big. He was responsible for replacing all of that. But had I been the GC, I would have paid for Right. It. Because when you're mm-hmm. the GC, you can't look behind you. There's nobody else there. It's you, mm-hmm. you know, so right. basically the buck starts and stops with you. So you need to recognize that. Excellent point of insurance. As a general contractor, if you were put yourself out for hire, you know, if you said to your neighbor, I'll be your general contractor, you know, you need to be licensed and things like that for that. If you're going to call yourself that. Um, but if you're doing it for your own home, there are no requirements Mm -hmm. other than it's very smart to get a certain uh, type of insurance policy, uh, for the duration of the project. And hold on. well, I was going to say I did. I looked, and it looks like some states will not let you act as a GC unless you have registered and have a license. So but I don't do think it's to- for your own house. Well, it says Florida require. I think Florida does require that. I think okay. it is for your own house. But I, I double check. Just double check. I'm not. We're not experts in this. So okay, just check with your state. Yeah. And as far as the insurance companies uh, and the insurance policy that you require, just be aware from listening today that, you know, you would need something to protect you. Again, every state is different. They have different uh, uh, recommendations or different minimums that you would have to have. So just ask your own insurance carrier. And it would really just be for the duration of the construction. And then it would revert back to a regular homeowner's policy. <clears throat> So here, what you're going to need to do too is really have your plan almost etched in stone if possible. There will be some changes in a construction project as you go along. 
things happen. Walls get opened and you find that you need to fix something else. So, you know, you have to sort of plan for that. Everybody always says, you know, definitely have a little bit more money stashed away than you think it's going to cost because you just never know. It could go the other way too. I mean, we could have a positive spin and maybe you don't have to do certain things you thought initially you would have to do. But you need to do all your homework and have your plan in place. Because you there really if you're the GC there's nobody else that's going to say hey what about blah blah so you really need to do all your research and have it all ready so when you start there's no questions because if there are big questions looming or changes have to be made that's when you're going to incur a lot of cost and a lot of those problems can be taken care of in the planning stage like I, you know, I, it was really painful to be an escrow for 11 months with this house because of the gentleman who lived here before. But on the upside of that, it gave me so much time to plan and rethink and take photos and look and decide that I was really ready to get rolling. And I had, there was no question in my mind, I was going to do this. I was going to be the general contractor. We also lived in, which is nuts. But I'll tell you, if you have the fortitude to do it and your family won't revolt and leave you, (laughs) you should do it because there is no other way to save as much money and also make sure everybody's showing up and that they're doing the work they're supposed to be doing. Did we mention the type of insurance policy they might need. It's called a builder's risk policy. There you I go. Think. No, we didn't say it by name. Okay. The other thing I wanted to mention about this is I think it takes a certain personality to take this on. And not just one personality. I think there's a lot of different personalities, but you need to be comfortable taking control and in some cases being firm. It really depends on who you're working with, uh, but you may have to fire somebody. You may have to stand up to them and say, no, you did shoddy work. No, this is the way this is supposed to be. Uh, So that's something to keep in mind is, are you comfortable firing somebody? If you're not comfortable firing somebody, this might not be something for you. And the other thing, if you're doing some major work on your house, I would hire an independent inspector to come in. Uh, when we were doing the build on the house, uh, we I hired an inspector who came in. I'm trying to think how many times he came in, maybe six times. He came in and inspected the electrical, the plumbing, everything. And then I would take that to my uh, builder and say, here are the issues that we found and, you know, we need these corrected. And, you know, I had a great builder, so he was fine. He would go to his subs and say, hey, go fix it. Okay, so that's interesting. You hired an inspector. They didn't come because of the permit process? Well, the city is going to have inspectors, but they keep in mind the standards that the city has. I hope your standards are going to be much higher than what the city or the county has. So the inspectors are the the city uh, here. We're in the city. uh, So the city is saying, are you going to pass our minimum standards? But my inspector was inspecting for so much more. Like, is it done in a shoddy way? Is it done? so? Yeah. So it was much tighter. I see, I see what you're saying. It was much more involved. They were che- he was checking for more things. That's a great idea. Oh yeah, no, it was worth every penny because, because he caught you things. Can't I know, even you know, no, even the general contractor that you would hire, if 
they could do all the work that they would do it themselves. They don't know every in and out of each one of the subs trades. Anyway, they just kn- right. know if whether you have- you know, it's the wires are in right and they work. Right. And uh, when we sold my mother-in-law's house, the inspector that the buyers used, I, I was dumbfounded by the list of problems. I It went on page after page after page. And I thought these people aren't even going to buy this house because it, they found so many problems. But after it was all said and done, I said, I'm hiring that guy. Right, <laughs> right. That's house. the guy you want on your side. Right. That's what I was thinking. I thought, this guy is thorough. Right. So he was really good to work with. So yes, I think that's very helpful. And that really is necessary if it's a big project. If it's a small one, you may not need to hire an inspector if you feel like you can look at and tell whether it's worthwhile. Right. But if it's a big, big, uh, big expense, I think I would for sure. Right. Or if it has to do with electrical or plumbing, you know, that's a great tip for those two things because, you know, you not none of us are or most of us are not skilled in those trades anyway and if something's inside the wall how are you going to know so mm-hmm. uh, an well inspector but see that's might just helpful well this is what happens is you know the inspector's coming to check the things in the wall so i would tell them uh, i need to have the inspector come before you close up this mm-hmm. wall so let me know when you're ready for him i will right. schedule him and do not close in the wall until he comes Yes. Excellent. Okay. The next thing we're going to talk about is how to find and hire your skilled tradesmen or tradeswomen, the subcontractors. But before we jump into hiring them, let's talk about ZipRecruiter. Finding the right people to hire for your business is not easy. That's why you should be heading to ZipRecruiter.com slash decorating. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With the powerful matching technology that ZipRecruiter has, they scan thousands of resumes to find the people with the right experience for your job and invites them to apply. As the applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, Decorating Tips and Tricks listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, for free by going to our exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash decorating. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash decorating. And decorating is D-E-C-O-R-A-T-I-N-G. ZipRecruiter.com slash decorating. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. That's a good way to find a job for sure. We know ZipRecruiter has worked uh, for even our near and dear Evie Joyce. So if you're looking for a new job, give the ZipRecruiter app a whirl. And if you're looking for a skilled subcontractor, I have some ideas how you can find one. What I did here, which it was a very big job that involved every single trade you could probably imagine that would go into a house. Don't you just love a great recommendation from a friend? Well, we're delighted to be recommending these companies and their wonderful products to you today. And let them know your friends at DTT sent you. I found one carpenter. And from there, 
I went forth from his knowledge and his connections, and then I built a team. So one person that I trusted, he actually came to us very early on in the process as a person who was inspecting the roof during the inspection process with our real estate agent. She hired him. I just, there was something about him. You know, when you meet someone, you just kind of click. He did a great job on the roof and I was chatting with him afterwards and I thought he was a roofer. Well, he is, but he's also built homes from scratch and he's done this. So he had a lot of different skills. And without Arrhenio Placido, my friend Neo, I could not have gotten this house done in the amount of time or to the level that it's done. He has been fantastic. And then I asked him, well, if you don't do X, do you know somebody who does? Yes, because these guys have all worked together. They've worked on other projects. They know who they want to work with again. They know who doesn't show up. They know who, you know, ends up making their work look better. You know, if you're the carpenter and then you get a crappy painter, well, you know, they don't want to work with a painter who doesn't do a good job. So I was able to then fan out from his uh, network of contractors and tradesmen and then build my own team. Neo, Jose, Aran, Robert, mm -hmm. Steve, Victor. They all were part of the team and they all did something different and they all came from that one person. Um, My one recommendation, which may seem obvious, do not go and pick somebody up at Home Depot. I I feel for those guys too. I would love to give them jobs, but yeah. you know, I mean, there's obviously a, a safety risk factor. You know, you have to just be aware. Oh, I thought so you thought I thought somebody like slunking behind you in the aisle. I thought you were no, saying. no. I, oh, mean, I get my, what you're saying. In my yeah. Home Depots, there's always a bunch of guys. It's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, but what do they call that in the back of the day? Like, yeah, the shape up. They go and the they day, see the if day, they get hired. The day laborers. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they're usually not licensed, so they're the people that maybe some of the subs hire, but you know, you don't want to be, yeah, you don't want to be responsible because they may, you know, not have, uh, you know, the proper skill set. Right. Another great uh, place to find uh, skilled tradesmen is supply houses. So when I was picking up my plumbing supplies, the faucets and all of that stuff, I asked them, do you have any plumbers that you would recommend? That's a great place. So if you, or you don't even need to be necessarily shopping there, you could just call like an electrical supply place. Hey, do you have any electricians that you could recommend? They're usually happy to do that. Um, and definitely do your homework uh, on the people you're hiring before they start. You know, if they're if they just come from out of the blue, uh, make sure that uh, you know you've. You get a card, ask if they have references, that sort of thing. Right. Now, I, and that is amazing. I love your idea of, of how you got the people. Well, because um, then they what, also want to work together. Well, that's true. I've, I mean, my kind of go-to is to find a really good realtor who turns over a lot of houses, mm-hmm. who really seems to be on the ball and then ask that person for resources. And the person knows, hey, when you next time you want to sell a house or buy one or recommend realtors, you're going to be thinking of her or him. Right. And so they usually are quite helpful. And if you get someone who's really competent, you can get some great names. And I've gotten some great people from from realtors because they have them on the tip of their fingers uh, because they're always needing somebody to fix something on a house to get right. it sold. So that's a great way but i love what you're saying with finding some people and through good workers and you know on next door sometimes you can get some good people there but if you don't know who that person is that's recommending right then you know that can get a little dicey because they can just be recommending their buddy 
so I've, I've heard of some issues right. on there. So you're going to have to be a little careful. And then I would ask for references. If this is a big job, I absolutely would ask for references. And I think I've mentioned before, when my builder, I called every single reference. I went and saw the house. I called his banker. I called everybody. If he gave me a name, I called them. And uh, when everybody said that they loved working with him, I'm like, okay, he's he's going to be good. Right. No, that's the way to do it. The other thing is, the ve- probably the most important word that's going to come out of this, or maybe two words, both start with C, confidence, but communication. And Anita mentioned this earlier on. Communication is so key. And if you're the general contractor, or even if you're not, you have to... Communicate to the general contractor, who then has to communicate to the subs, and then you don't want it to become the telephone game where you said you wanted subway tile, and then all of a sudden you're ending up with you know hex tile somewhere because somebody got it wrong. There's no reason why people should not be sharing photos or uh, links, or you're in Home Depot and you take a picture of the item and you take a picture of the tag. You say you're going to pick out your own molding. Oh well, you look at the moldings. I mean. After five minutes, they all start to look the same. You know, they're either wood or that MDF white wood, and they all have some sort of profile. Take a picture of the number, uh, you know, or to get a sample right on the back, the number and um, how much it costs and all of that. Communicate as as well as you can verbally, but definitely back it up with samples, links, photos. So important. And well, the other part of it is that, subcontractors, just like us, are human beings, right? So you don't want to, even though it's very tempting to micromanage or, you know, maybe, you know, stresses are high, you got to get angry, really try to keep yourself in check. You need to keep a, a good working relationship with these people up until the point where, you know, obviously if something's gone really badly, you have to be able to fire them or let them go. But, you know, try to make it as, um, stress-free as possible on yourself. Don't get all worked up. Most things can be fixed. It may cost a little bit more money, but watching over someone's shoulder is also not a good idea. Um, So try not to, try to plan in advance, communicate well, but don't micromanage. And I cannot tell you how far a word of praise when a job is well done or a case of water or a lunch goes. Well, I think that's a great idea to bring them some snacks, bring them a lunch, bring them donuts in the morning. I think I definitely think that's a great thing to do because you want them to like you. You want them to want to do a good job. Uh, You don't want to give them any excuse to do a bad job. And another thing to think about is when we were building our house, I wanted to incorporate a lot of antique pieces or things into the house. So we used reclaimed hardwood flooring. I used some antique beadboard on the ceilings of the porches. I used a garden post for the newel post of the stairs. So there were several things where I was using old things and putting them in the house. And I needed a contractor who, or in my case, a builder, who was going to be working with me on that, who had sources and who was who was flexible. So this is something, if you're going to want to add some unique things in your house, you're going to want to make sure that your contractor is open to that because some of them really are not. Some of them want to get in, get out, Mm -hmm. bada bing, bada boom, and be done. And they are not going to be open to doing these sort of things. Whereas some contractors 
have this kind of pride of workmanship mm-hmm. and they love the creative process and they love kind of having something unique. And another thing you can, so I would definitely be asking questions to say, Hey, I want to use da, 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 da. And kind of, are you comfortable with that? Right. And if you get of, the look like what? They then- may say, they're probably all going to say yes. But if they have that kind of hesitation, then I would be aware of that. And if the people that are open to it, you know, I think one of the things that you can do to kind of reward them is to provide, say, hey, if you're, if you do, you know, uh, I'm going to give you pictures of whatever. And, you know, you can put that in your portfolio or whatever. Right. Uh, so try to take the nicest picture you can of the work and then they can show that to their customers. So then that's something that's kind of a feather in their cap and they can show other people and go, well, look at the work that I did. My my guy who has, was my primary guy here, he, after we were all done, he asked me if he could bring his wife here to show her everything that he had done. Oh. Yeah. Right. I mean, how lucky was I to find this guy? Fantastic. And, you know, and now... I have other clients that I do work for and design for, and I work with all my guys. So, well, you know, like we, yeah. our, the relationship has continued. There was all, there are obviously there were, you know, there were just a couple of duds along the way that came in. There are always going to be a couple of duds, but uh, very brief and they were, you know, let go right away. But the primary team, fantastic. Um, and then my G- Gamalian, my painter, he did such a good job. And he actually found me on Instagram and he was like, that's what I did. Oh I my did gosh. those doors. Right? Yeah. So, so it was kind of fun that he was excited to see it later. I mean, that's right. the kind of people you want to work with. Right. 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 So I, you know, I, we've given you a ton of tips today. I really hope that if you're considering, becoming your own general contractor for your project, that um, this, this was helpful. I think that every one of you listening can do this for sure. Um, one other thing is I think uh, there there might be like sometimes this gender issue too. So just be aware of it. It may not happen all the time, but I, I definitely had in my plumbing team, it was a, a father and a son. And the father kept, I could almost see he was kind of looking over my shoulder. He kept oh, like, like, where's one, the real person in charge? <laughs> like, where's your husband? Oh. Yeah. And so I finally figured, one time he was like, uh, he was like, well, you know, do you want to run it past um, your husband? And I was like, uh, <laughs> no. I mean, he wouldn't even know what <laughs> we were talking about. No. Uh, yeah. So uh, Peter was not involved in that way. Um, I would suggest if you're going to do this and you're a, a couple or two people b- doing a project together, that one of you is the main source of uh, communication, one main contact. You don't want it to be like, oh, okay, t- well, let me tell this one and then then that one has to go tell the other one. And then let me get back to you later because the other one has to ring in on it. Like that should be part of your planning process. Or well, I think, I think that's an excellent point is that if, if the person tends to be kind of patriarchal and your husband's involved, then he may start deferring to your husband all the time. Uh, Kevin was the same way as Peter. He just wanted it done. He wanted to walk in the house when on moving day. Right. And plus, he knew this was my my jam. Right. So he knew it was going to be taken care of. But I think there's a couple of things that you can do to earn the person's respect. And this is going to help you help 
give you some respect in dealing with them where they will listen to you and not feel like you not be talking down to you. One is get the biggest level you can and slap that puppy on everything that they are doing and check to make sure everything is level. If you have a giant (laughs) level you're walking around with, they're going to go, this woman knows what she's doing and she means business. I'm telling you. No, no. Or you talk, you mean you really have to know what you're talking about? You've got it. So if you use the lingo... Well, that's what I was going to say. The second thing, yes, use the lingo, know the lingo, do your research. I wouldn't be walking around saying the thingamajig or what's that thingy or now what, you know, I wouldn't be talking like that. They are not going to respect that. But if you walk in and I've, I've just never had a problem with people, you know, not working with me in a respectful manner, but I always try to do my research so that, you know, I can talk knowledgeably about what they're doing. And I ask lots of questions too. And people love it when you treat them with respect and you, you know, listen to them and respect their uh, expertise. So I always respect, I admire you know, any kind of artisan, any kind of craftsman, the subs that come in, I admire their workmanship. And so I treat them well, you know, unless they have cause to be fired, I'm going to, you know, treat them with the best I can, like they're my best friend. And I think that's really the way to go. It's a, it's a big mystery wrapped inside of a riddle as to how iTunes uh, promotes <laughs> yeah. shows right, or tells right. people about shows. But, mm-hmm. you know, podcasts are still some of you guys are, you know, cutting edge listening to podcasts. And certainly if you've been with us for the, you know, t- two, almost two years of the show, uh, you've been listening to podcasts for a while. So you are really ahead of the, the game there. Um, so a lot of people don't know about shows. So this is, iTunes promoting them as a way for people to recognize shows and give them a whirl. And a lot of that comes from the fact that reviews are left and, you know, good reviews. So we just wanted to read one because we were excited about this one from the United Kingdom. So it's from Everly4. The other thing about iTunes is everybody has a handle, so you you can't thank anyone. So if Everly4 is listening from the UK... Thank you so very much. Thank you for saying, and I quote, being English, I am fascinated by the American voice, which kind of made us crack up anyway. But these two ladies are no exception. They are down to earth and very warm in their approach. They are very listenable and great fun. You also learn some great tips on interior decorating, an entertaining podcast which informs. Keep going, ladies. It is a pleasure to invite you into my English home twice a week. Highly recommend. Can't thank you enough. And I just love yes, the fact that we you. are invited into Everly Four's English home twice a week. <laughs> Everly, we appreciate that review so much. And thanks for listening is the main thing. We appreciate it. And I'm so sure fun. we'd love to hear your accent. I was going to say, it's so funny. <laughs> like We're all like, oh, we just love British accents. I know, I know. Okay, yeah. so do you have a crush today? Nita well, Jean? I do. And actually, I have a two books that have to do with being a contractor ah, or dealing with contractors. The first one is called What Your Contractor Can't Tell You. And this is one that uh, I got when we were building our house. So it has a lot of good information about working with a contractor. So this would be helpful if you end up deciding that you want to hire 
a GC. Uh, if you want to be your own GC, then here's another book for you, The Essential Guide to Building and Renovating. And this book, I haven't read this one, but it got really good reviews and it looks like a good one. Uh, and I will have, we'll have links to these in the show notes, but these are two books that hopefully will help you if you are getting ready to do a renovation. Well done. I mean, that is great. Along with our uh, topic today, mine is, uh, off topic, but, uh, has to do with my recent trip to Paris. If anybody's heading there, you know, there are just so many museums and, and obviously, um, beautiful architecture to see. There's a lot to see in Paris. What we enjoyed were some of the smaller museums. And one in particular I wanted to tell you all about, it's the Yves Saint Laurent Museum. It's in a little townhouse. It's about three stories high. It's the perfect size. It is absolutely stunning. It has a lot of different things. Like it has the costumings on the mannequins. It has the history. It has a video. It's just an absolutely beautiful um the rooms are stunning. The architecture, the interior architecture is stunning. I think everyone would love it. It's very inexpensive and uh, it's in a great part of town. So just Google that if you're heading to Paris anytime soon. I highly recommend a visit to the Yves Saint Laurent Museum. Oh, yes. <laughs> I will do that next time I'm there, which I didn't know that, he, that he really started the color block. I'm oh, not a big color no, block gal because I think yeah. I'm too short for that sort of thing. Mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. oh, I didn't really know. I, you know, you think you know, but you don't really know. No, I, I was pretty sure I didn't know. <laughs> and it was great. You know, you think you know about, oh, he's a designer. He does this and that. But um, it was beautiful. They even had a uh, – they had reproduced his um, studio like, oh, you know, and so they had photos of it and then it was just a, a down to where the pencil placement, because he had uh, certain pencils he'd like to use. And that was just a great space to, to be in. Even recreated, you could feel the creative energy in that room. It was very cool. So my daughter picked that out as one thing that she wanted to do and we all loved it. Oh, great tip. Now we have a listener question today from Hannah F. Hannah, I'm giving you two thumbs up. Hannah prevailed. She wanted the Carrera marble and people <laughs> said, no, 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 they, Hannah. Which they will do. Which they, they will, will do. do. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think even someone who was going to be sharing the home with Hannah was like, maybe not Hannah, but she persisted and she got it and she's thrilled and she loves it. But she was wondering, how do I clean mine? And if Hannah had asked me this question, maybe a year ago or even eight months ago, I would have said, oh, I do it with a, you know, a, just a wet sponge. And then I make sure there's certain things that, you know, you have to buy a certain marble clean, cleaner and you do that only once in a while and don't use anything with any kind of citrus in it. You know, just don't grab a random spare. But you know what? Ever since Anita introduced me to the original beeswax spray, Oh, oh my gosh. I'm surprised I don't wash my face with that stuff. I know. It does everything. I know. I use it throughout my house. Right. So Hannah, I never can give just a quick answer, but if I had to, my quick answer to you is the original beeswax spray. We'll put the link. Anita introduced us to it uh, You know, when we were talking about wood furniture and whatnot, but you read the back of it and it does everything. And I tried it on my marble and it is stunning. And I think it, it just, it, it just not only cleans it, but it just kind of gives it a little shine. 
less toxic than a lot of the cleaners too. Yes. And it just it does it adds a protective layer of wax to everything. Protective it's beeswax. Of, yes. So and it's natural. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it just wears off. And but I don't do that every time, Hannah. You know, we have the table, which is marble, and then the counter. So most of the time I'm really just wiping down with a wet sponge. I don't feel like there there's really need for much else. But then maybe once a week or something, I'll go over all the counters and you know, in the nooks and crannies in the corner by the lamp where mm-hmm. dust might come well, and whatnot. It gives it beeswax. a nice shine too. What even yes. whatever kind of very subtle. You have. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's very nice. Yes. 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 It's a very subtle shine. But it's just it otherwise it can look not as when the light hits it, you know, it doesn't have an even look. I think right. on mine. So yeah, I love using it on the countertop. It's so my you favorite. You use it on your countertop too. Oh, absolutely. That's if I want if we have company coming, I mean, or if I want it to look its best, and like you said, on a regular basis I use it too, but not every day. That's what I put on there. Yeah. Awesome. But like you said, we use it on everything. I use it on the um, stainless steel appliances too, a lot. I haven't tried that yet. Oh, yes. I don't really have many stainless steel appliances. I guess really just the front of my microwave. So, but I could try that. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I hope everybody enjoyed today's episode. I was so excited about doing this episode. Um, definitely something I've lived through and I still would do it again. That being my own general contractor, that is. So thanks for joining us today. Remember, we're here to inspire you to create a beautiful home. Until next time. Don't you just love a great recommendation from a friend? Well, we're delighted to be recommending these companies and their wonderful products to you today. And let them know your friends at DTT sent you.